Father, we thank you today for the Word of God. We thank you that it is alive and well in our life. And Lord, we thank you that it's living and active. And Lord, your Word has the capacity to pierce our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Turn in your Bible to two passages, 1 Timothy and Ephesians 6. Everyone say 1 Timothy and Ephesians 6. We're going to continue talking about the topic we began, I think, a couple of weeks ago, last day's leadership, a study of 1 and 2 Timothy. Now, here's how you get more out of this study. You don't just rely upon when you come every once in a while on Sunday morning. I want you to begin to read, study, apply, memorize, ponder, think about, meditate on the the truths that are found in these two letters from Paul to Timothy. As you know, Paul is on the last leg of his life. In fact, the last book, the last letter uh, that he wrote was 2 Timothy. And in the last chapter, he said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished the faith. I've kept the faith. And there's laid up for me uh, a crown of rejoicing. And he's, he's on his way out. This is the last recorded writings of Paul the Apostle. They're very important for us to embrace. And as uh, you look to them, you realize something. And this is why we've titled it Last Day's Leadership. Paul has a great concern for his son in the faith, Timothy, Timothy, to know and understand the times and the seasons we're living in. Everyone say we're living in the last days. You need to understand something. It's exciting times. Now, if the last days scare you, you've missed the point. Because when the church was birthed, that's what started what the Bible calls the last days. It's an undetermined amount of time for God to fulfill His kingdom purposes, for people to be born again, and for God's kingdom to be built, and for uh, and for the glory of God to be made manifest in the earth, and ultimately for Jesus to come uh, forth with great authority and power and, and be declared King of kings and Lord of lords. Somebody say amen. I'm telling you, it's exciting times, but it's also challenging times. And if you look in 1 Timothy chapter 4, he talked about the last days. He said, we're living in the last days. The Spirit uh, expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. How many of you know there's an enemy in the world out there? And then if you go to 2 Timothy, he says again in chapter 3, but know this. Everybody say, know this. Know this, in the, in the latter times, or it says, in the last days, perilous times will come. And then he begins to read kind of what perilous times are. It's kind of like the, the, the morning newspaper. It's kind of like watching the news. It's perilous days. We're living in the last days. Tell your neighbor, we're living in the last days. And so that's the point of this whole series. I find a, I find an urgency in my spirit, and I, I'm kind of catching a little of Paul's urgency with his son in the faith, Timothy, as his he knows he knows his days are numbered, and he realizes I've got to get this across to my son in the faith, Timothy, as I hand him the baton of leadership. He needs to understand the days and the times we live in. And so that's why this series is is uh, uh, being shared with you. I sense an urgency in my spirit. And so with that in mind, I, I borrowed John Maxwell's, uh, to kind of give us an outline for this series, I borrowed John Maxwell's definition of leadership. It's one of his definitions of leadership. And if you know anything about John Maxwell, he's a great uh, uh, leadership kind of guru guy. And I would suggest any of his books. They're great truths and they're great principles. But he said this, uh, leaders, real leaders are those who know the way or say know the way then they show the way and what else do they do they go the way everyone say that know the way 
show the way, and go the way. How many of you know we don't need people just to know the way? We need some people who can show us the way, and then they go the way. We don't need people saying, this is the way, uh, do as I say, not as I do. We need role models, and that's why God's want, hey, and this is why I'm saying, in these last days, we need leaders, we need people who will know the way and show the way and, the go, and go the way. And when you read First and Second Timothy, you're going to see this. It's everywhere. Paul's telling Timothy, now this is the way. And, and, and then by the way, he said this, he said, and I'll show you the way. I'm a, I'm a role model and exa- an example. And as we already discussed, he went the way. His, his, he, he fought a good fight. He finished his race. And, and he was ready to go to heaven. And so with that in mind this morning, uh, I want us just to just embrace the truth. And so uh, that God has for us. In fact, we're going to hang out on know the way a little while. Everyone say know the way. In fact, look in First Timothy chapter 1. I've got to show you this. He's setting the course of, of Timothy's life. And he's setting the course, uh, the, the, the way of God for all of humanity, really. In fact, in the Old and New Testament, you, we've told you this, that there's a phrase, in the way. Everyone say, in the way. It, it, re- it reflects the course of life. How many of you know God has a course of life for all of us to follow? How many of you know it's not a blank slate? Come on, God has a plan. Give your neighbor one of these and God has a plan for your life. Come on, give somebody one. He really does. He, hey, when you were born, he didn't go, oh, for goodness sakes, what am I going to do with this one? Now, we do that for some time, everyone. Oh, for goodness sakes. Some of you ladies get pregnant unexposed. Oh, for goodness sakes. What am I going to do with this one? Oh, my goodness. I but God has a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. And so he tells Timothy the, the way for all of us. And he says this in, in uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, in fact, gosh, it's, it's uh, just so profound. Verse 15, I'll jump in the middle. He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to do what? Save sinners. How many of you sinners are glad you got saved? And, and oh man, he, uh, come on, let's try that again. I think some of you really want to celebrate. How many of you sinners, thank God you got saved and born again into the family of faith? Woohoo! And he begins to tell Timothy, this is the course of life for all of us. In fact, let me show you this. It's not in your PowerPoint notes, but go over to chapter four. This is an interesting insight that I just discovered on my own. How many of you know, it's, even though you've been studying the Bible a long time, you find new things, you go, oh man, how exciting. He says this in chapter four, verse eight, he says, or verse seven, but reject profane and old wives fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. Everyone say, exercise yourself toward godliness. Now that word godliness doesn't just mean righteous, healthy, good living. It means exercise yourself in the gospel scheme. Everyone say the gospel scheme. Now, what did Paul just say in in verse 15 is the way it, Hey, Jesus Christ came into the world to do what? Save sinners of whom I'm chief. That's the way that we all need to embrace. That's the course of life for all of humanity. And as we'll read here in a few moments, God's desire is for everybody to be saved, to go the way of the cross and find themselves in the presence of God Almighty and be born again and be a part of the family of faith. That's God's plan for all of us. He came into the world to save sinners. Then he told us, you need to exercise. You need to be strong in the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's the way. Everybody said that's the way. 
So with that in mind, let's all read the course of life for all of humanity, for the for 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 God's family, for all who would accept Christ. Let's read it out loud together. The course of life. Here we go. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And his plan is to use us in the process as a proclaimer of the way and a pattern for others to follow in the way. Now that's the will of God for all of humanity. You need to understand that. He wants you to go in the way of the cross, be born again, and then be a proclaimer of the way and a pattern for others to follow in the way. And everybody said, amen. You got to know the way. And if we do, if you don't get, catch anything else in this whole series, but you catch that, you caught a whole lot because that's what it's all about. How many of you know that's why we're still here on planet earth? Amen. We're not here to sit soaking sour. We're here to, to proclaim the way and show ourselves as a pattern for others to follow in the way. How many of you know at least one person, if they died today, they'd split hell wide open if, if they don't give their lives to Christ? How many of you know lost people? Anybody know any lost people? If you don't know lost people, you need to know some lost people because, hey, you need to get into the middle of the world and begin to be a proclaimer of the way and a pattern for others of the way. How many of you appreciate those who came into your life and got up all in your business and shared Jesus Christ with you and the light of God shone in your heart and you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Somebody said. Amen. That's what it's all about. Tell somebody that's what it's all about. Amen. It really is. Now, last week we, we built on this thought and I told you this. And, and, and if you missed last week and the week before, you need to go get that on, on, on uh, our website, cotrnorth.com. But last week we said to know the way is to know the way of good and sound doctrine. We just talked about that. How many of you know there's a, there's an undermining of the foundations of our faith going on in the world as we speak, trying to water down and undermine the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let me just say there's only one way to get to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. Amen. All roads don't lead to heaven. Now all roads will lead eventually to God, but that doesn't mean that when you get by, you can get by God and get into heaven. The only way Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. You got to go through Jesus. Amen. Whew. And so, Hey, we got to guard ourselves. And last week we talked about the necessity of building a life of good, sound doctrine. And this morning, in the next few moments, in the next 30 minutes, I'm going to give you another thought. And here it is. Today, understand last day's leaders need to not only know the way of good, sound doctrine, but we need to know the way of spiritual warfare. Everyone say spiritual warfare. Listen to me carefully. In these last days, there's spiritual warfare going on all around us. And Paul warns Timothy about this. Let me show it to you quickly. And then I'm going to give you some warfare wisdom in just a moment. But let me show you this. Once in 1 Timothy chapter 1, once Paul uh, gets through proclaiming his testimony, he gives... Pardon me. He gets through telling Timothy to make sure that no one preaches any other doctrine than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he tells his testimony and he said, man, I'm the chief of sinners and, and God's grace and mercy came and helped me and, and, and transformed me and enabled me and put me into the ministry. And then in chapter one, verse 17, he explodes with some praise and worship because of his gratitude for what God has done in his life. Let me tell you something. If you've been born again there ought to be something bursting out of you with some gratitude and some praise and some thanksgiving to God he said verse 17 now to the king eternal immortal invisible 
to God who alone is wise be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Somebody give him some praise right now. Let's give him some praise. Hallelujah. So once Paul gets through that, man, I can just see him when he's writing this. Man, he's he just getting fired up, kind of like Jim got fired up this morning. And then he says this, this charge, watch it, verse 18. I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage what? Somebody say the good warfare. Somebody say the good warfare. You say, Pastor, I didn't know warfare was good. There's only one kind of good warfare. And what's that? Come on, what, you ever been in a battle and got the lights beat out of you and said, Whoa, that was good. Man, golly, I, I just love being beat up by the devil. Man, that just, give me the, no. What's a good warfare? It's those you win. How many of you know, I've read the end of the book and the Bible says they overcame him. This is a prophecy. They overcame him. That is the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. How many of you know, if, if we'll just fight, we'll win. Amen. And so you see that the first thing he says, man, you better rip Timothy. I charge you. That's a command. We'll talk about that in a moment. I charge you and I commit to you this thought that you better get busy in the middle of spiritual warfare. If you don't fight, you won't win. But if you fight, you win. Look over in, in uh, oh gosh, let's jump over to 1 Timothy 6.12 all the way to the end. What does he say about his own life? 1 Timothy 6.12. Oh, he tells, he tells Timothy, he says, fight the good fight of faith. There's the good fight. Lay hold on eternal life. Look in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. He says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good what? Somebody say soldier. You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ for no one engaged in warfare. Everyone say warfare. Warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And then you know, as I've already quoted in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says in verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. So we see this theme. We see this reality that Paul wants Timothy to know. There's a spiritual warfare going on and you got to be engaged in the, in the warfare that's going on around you. Let me give you three thoughts that you need to embrace this morning. And then I'm going to give you the big idea. Look at your neighbor and say, what's the big idea? Here it is. Let me give you three thoughts. Our enemy exists. Jesus said the thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10. And if you go to Ephesians 6, you should be there. You'll realize that the, he says this, the weapons of our warfare. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And then we realize our enemy is what? He's evil. Have you looked around lately? I mean, have we, have, are we so, uh, you know, enamored with the, 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 just the fun of living that we have forgotten and realized we are living in an evil world and our enemy is evil. And he's begun to raise his ugly head more so than ever before. But the third thing you need to know about our enemy and the reality of this spiritual warfare, our enemy is always engaged. He never stops. In fact, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, he talks about the schemes and the wiles of the enemy. He said, you, you've got to watch against the wiles, the scheming of the enemy. Let me tell you this. Listen carefully to me. The enemy right now is scheming against you. The enemy right now, the devil, 
Oh, split hoof, smoky horns, whatever you want to call him, Satan. He's, he's scheming against you. And let me tell you something. Uh, you know what? I love my grandchildren. In fact, uh, is, is Mabry already? Oh, there's Mabry. Uh, uh, Aunt Cece's holding Mabry. She is so sweet. I'm telling you. She's a doll. But let me tell you something. Josh knows this. The devil doesn't like his baby girl. And he's scheming right now how to figure out a way to rob that little girl from these lovely parents and cause her to live a hellacious life. In fact, uh, the devil's desire for her is to steal, kill, and destroy her. You need to understand that. He does not play games. He exists, he's evil, and he's right now engaged against you in your life. It's the truth. It's a spiritual battle. That's why Paul was telling Timothy, whoo, hey, he got all excited now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the wise one. And then he says, oh, Timothy, I command you that by the giftings of God and the things God has placed in your life, you better step it up, brother, and wage a good warfare. And so everybody say, what's the big idea? Here it is. The, today's big idea, here it is. Our enemy is real. Our enemy exists. Our enemy is evil. And is engaged and is always engaged. Therefore, spiritual warfare is not optional. Let's read it out loud together, everyone. Our enemy exists. Are you with me, everybody out loud? Let's start over. Our enemy exists. Our enemy is evil and is always engaged. Therefore, spiritual warfare is not optional. We could go home right now. And you'd have enough to chew on for a while. I'm going to help you a little bit. I'm going to help you get started because, hey, this can be a little overwhelming for all of us to realize, man, the devil is real enemy, you know, and he's he's scheming against me. Listen, there's no get out of, I mean, he is after you, my friend, his will and plan for, and let me just say, hey, let's throw this out. I'm kind of, kind of, how many of you this morning, the enemy tried to keep you from church this morning? Look at there, 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 look at there. And you said, uh-uh, devil, uh-uh, devil, how you, hey. You're not pulling that one off on me. Now look at the empty chair by you. Is there an empty chair by you? Say, Lord, help them, Jesus. Whoo, help them, Jesus. I hope the devil didn't get them this morning because I understand something. The enemy is real. Uh, our enemy is evil and he is always engaged against us. And so therefore, spiritual warfare is not optional. Now quickly with that in mind, you keep that big idea in mind. I'm going to give you some last day's warfare wisdom from Paul to Timothy that he gave him, uh, that he wanted him to understand and embrace. Hey, and if you just get one, that's great. But if you can somehow get a few of these down and begin to operate in them and function in them and understand them, that would be all the more awesome. The first one that I saw in this first and second Timothy is this. Never go to war unsubmitted. Everyone say unsubmitted. I said, preacher, where'd you get that? Well, first Timothy chapter uh, one, verse 18, this charge, this command. In other words, the authority of God in Paul was speaking to his son in the faith, commanding him to get into the battlefield. And wage the good warfare. 
And understand something about our life. If we live an unsubmitted life to God, in fact, uh, the Bible says in James, it says this about our walk with God and about submitting ourselves to God. He said in James 4, 1, uh, 4, 7, he said, submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. So you see the connection between submission to the God and his authority and then victory over the enemy. But understand something. God has people in our life that are represented of God. They're delegated authorities in our life. How many of you know, when you go to battle, it's not every man for himself. It's the army of God. It's the soldier in the army of God. And if you are unsubmitted to authority, if you go AWOL, if you will, into your own world, let me give you this statement today. And oh, you might even want to tweet this one. I think it's less than 140 characters. A disconnect from spiritual authority is a predetermined defeat just waiting to be formally announced. A disconnect from spiritual authority is a predetermined defeat just waiting to be formally announced. If you are rebellious against the authority of God, if you get rebellious against God and you get rebellious against authorities in your life, and oh my goodness, I've met a lot of people that want to serve God, but they don't want to plug in and be submitted to the authorities of God in their life just like Paul. Can you imagine what people would do if I got up all in their business and said, I command you, get in battle, start fighting the faith. I command you to get up early in the morning and start praying. Man, y'all would all go. Am I right? Don't be telling. Bow all up. I can do what I want to, bless God. But understand something. When you disconnect from spiritual authority. Let me just say, some of you have never really connected to spiritual authority in your life. Did you know, have you read the New Testament? It's all about submission to authority. Submitting to God and the authorities of God. Have you read it? In fact, you know what he says? He says we're to, we're to be subject to the governing authorities in the, in the earth. And so, never go to war unsubmitted to the authorities of God in your life. It's just a predetermined defeat just waiting to be formally announced. Because you will be defeated. Because we're in this thing together. And it takes the authorities of God in our life and the submission to the authority of God for God's kingdom to be made manifest and for His victory to be realized. So, everyone say, never go to war unsubmitted. Number two, the next thing I see is this. I wish I could hang out there a little more. In fact, if you're taking notes, uh, write down 1 Peter 5, verse 5 through 9. Just write it down because Peter says this. It's the same thing. Submit to God. Submit to your authority. Submit to one another. And then you can resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The connection is there. If you're not submitted to authorities, you're going to have a real trouble overcoming the devil. Because guess who's authority? Did you know we'll... If we don't submit to the authority of God, we'll end up submitting to the authority of the enemy in our life. Somebody's got to be in charge. Amen. So never go to war unsubmitted. Number two is never go to war unequipped. 
Yeah, this verse 18 that I read to you, he says, he says this. He said, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Let me just say it this way. The things God's spoken to you, the things God's worked into you, the revelation of God in your life, of who you are and how you're to be, those things were equipping in your life. And don't, hey, don't set aside the equipping of God in your life. And by what God has given you, uh, uh, wage the good warfare. And then he goes on to say, having faith and a good conscience. And he says, some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. I don't want you to be shipwrecked. You've got to be equipped. If you go out into this world and try to fight the enemy and you are unequipped, you will be defeated. You need to understand that. Paul the Apostle talked about the, the equipping of God in our life. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, he says this. He said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Meaning, you, you don't fight spiritual warfare with physical weapons. You can't pull out your AK-47. You can't pull out your pistole. You can't pull out, you know, your, your switchblade and fight the devil. You've got to have spiritual weaponry. And when you get the right weaponry and you start using it, you start being equipped with it, and you start using it, you will find that you will begin to pull down strongholds that the enemy has established. Established not only in your life. Listen to me this morning. It's not God's plan for you to be all hung up by the strongholds of life. And let me tell you this. It's not God's will for your friends and family to be all hung up. Listen, number one, he was hung up for our hangups. But we've got authority and we've got weaponry. We just need to figure it out and start operating in it. And that brings me to Ephesians 6. And let me just say to everybody here this morning. Believers, new believers, seasoned saints. Listen, we never get too spiritual to get beyond Ephesians 6 and being equipped and prepped for spiritual warfare. It's what they call the armor of God. And so I want to encourage all of you, especially new believers, to embrace Ephesians 6 and begin to walk through. And I, gosh, let's see. Uh, I'll try to, I'll, he just says this. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. And then he starts talking about it. He says, stand therefore, having gird your waist about with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Everybody go, wowzers. With that in mind, look, look, look here. Here's some, here's some, just a little glimpse of some of the weaponry that we have. Number one, the strength of God. Everybody say the strength of God. Let me, let me see everybody's muscles. Come on, let me see your muscles. Flex your plex. How many of you know that's nothing? How, how many of you know we've got the strength of God in our life? What does he say in verse 10? Be strong. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of who his might. Everybody say in the Lord. Now I've, 
I, I repeat myself a lot, and it's because maybe I'm just getting old, or maybe you just need to hear it. The biggest little word in the New Testament is that I-N, in. Everyone say in. He said, be strong in the Lord. That word in means fixed position. Everyone say fixed position. Be strong in the Lord. Listen, when you get fixed in Him, when you, when you start following Him, when you start emulating Him, when you start listening to Him, when you start talking to Him, when you start living a life of following Christ, that's called discipleship. When it becomes more of a relationship with Jesus Christ than some, rather than something you do to get the monkey off your back. Listen, a lot of people come to Jesus to get the monkey off their back. He'll get the monkey off your back, but that's, that's just the beginning. Now we follow him, we serve him, and you get fixed in him. Then you can be strong because you're in him. Amen. What does the Bible say? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Who, my friend, I came to tell you. I came for you to realize something. In this spiritual warfare we have, we've got supernatural strength and power available to us against the powers of darkness. That ought to rev somebody's motor this morning. Whoo! You got to get in Christ. You got to learn. Hey, Jesus said, abide in me. You got to live your life in Christ. You got to live, as I said in a, a, a earlier series, you can't try to get Jesus to follow you everywhere. Some of y'all doing that. You go do whatever you want. Then you go, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Then you go do whatever you want. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Then you go do some more what you want. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. That's not discipleship. That's stupidity. Because Jesus has not come. He didn't say, uh, hey, I'll follow you and make you do things that you don't want to do. He said, follow me and I'll make you into a fisher of men. And I better, I better keep going. The strength of God. And then we saw this armor of God. And I don't have time to go through it all. We've studied it before. But hey, listen, everybody. You go home and you begin to... You, you know what you can do? Every morning you get up, you can put on your armor. Has anybody ever dreamed you went to work naked? Did you know that's one of the most common dreams in the world? Is you find yourself... You get out in the world and... It, it's true. It's one of the most common dreams. Uh, you just get out in the world all of a sudden you realize, I'm just buck naked. It's a fear everybody has. We were some friends the other day and we were all getting busy. And as one was walking out the door, they, Do I all of a sudden had a thought, did I put my britches on? They, yeah, they're on. They're fine. You got it. But listen, we have spiritual clothing. And, and for goodness sake, none of us would go out without looking like our finest, you know. But we walk out into the spiritual realm, pardon me, spiritually naked and incapable of fighting the enemy. That's why he said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Somebody say stand. I'm talking about victorious. Hey, he's given us weaponry. You can't be unequipped. You've got to have the strength of God. You've got to have the armor of God. You need the authority of God in your life. Everyone say God's authority. He says, you, he said, I love this one. Put on the belt of truth. How many of you know God's word is truth? God's Word is, is the final authority in your life and the sword of the Spirit in your life and, and God's authority. It's not what you say, it's what the Bible says. And listen, when you start quoting the Bible to the enemy, he has to, hey, you, he cannot, Jesus said, it is written, devil. He kept whipping out the Word. 
Here's, here's some truth for you. You know what Jesus said about our authority? I believe it's in, in Luke uh, uh, chapter 10, verse 19. They came back all excited because the devils were, uh, were fleeing. And he said, listen, you need to understand something. I give you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You have authority over the devils. Somebody say amen. That's, hey, you got to walk out into this world, into this spiritual battle with the strength of God, the armor of God, the authority of God. And then let me throw this one in, the fellowship of God, because Peter, pardon me, uh, uh, Paul, at the end of this armor of God, he plugged in the power of prayer. He said, praying always, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Listen, you grab a hold of those four things, you're well on your way to finding some great victory in your life over the devil. Somebody say amen. You can't go out into the world unequipped. Number three, quickly, you can't go out into the war unholy. You can't live like you want to live and expect you to be victorious over the enemy. In fact, if you go back, and there's a lot of Scripture, I'll just give you a couple. But that verse 19, back in 1 Timothy, he said this concerning after he said, I charge you to wage the good warfare. He said, you got to have faith and a good conscience. You gotta have a good conscience, a clean conscience. You gotta be righteous and holy. That's what he said in chapter six, verse 11. Before he said, fight the good fight of faith, he told Timothy, but you, old man of God, everybody say, I'm a man or, if you're a woman of God, say, I'm a woman of God. If you're a man of God, say, I'm a man of God. And he appeals to that in all of us. And he says, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue after righteousness, faith, love, patience, and, and gentleness, and fight the good fight of faith. In other words, you can't live like the devil and be victorious over the devil. We can't go into war unholy. We've got to appropriate the cross of Christ and realize I'm dead indeed unto sin. And alive unto God through Christ Jesus. Sin is not my master anymore. Satan is not my master anymore. Hey, I've, I've given myself over to the governance of God Almighty. And you can't go out into battle unholy. Oh my goodness, there's so much here. Let me just, hey, 2 Timothy 3, let me show, or 2, verse 3 and 4. Look what he says. He says, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, catch it. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. You can't be all tangled up and be engaged in warfare against the enemy. Never go to the war, go to war unholy. Listen, uncrucified flesh is an open door for demonic deception and ultimate defeat in your life. If we don't allow the cross to take care of our sin issues and begin to pull down the strongholds in our own life, it's an open door for demonic deception and ultimate defeat in your life. we got to appropriate the, the, the glorious way of the Lord, the cross of Christ in our life. You can't go to war unholy. It doesn't mean we're perfect. How many of you know none of us are perfect? But understand something. Uh, we're either endeavoring to crucify the flesh or we're allowing the flesh to uh, 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 crucify us in a sense and kill us. Because understand something. If you don't deal with the sin nature in our life and allow the cross of Christ to, to take precedence in your life, you're going to be an open door for demonic deception and ultimate defeat in your life. Never go to war unholy. Number four, never go to war unconcerned. What do you mean, Pastor? Look at First Timothy chapter 2. Let me show you a progression here. 
First Timothy chapter 2, he finishes off the first chapter saying, hey, you better wage the good warfare and have faith and a good conscience. And oh, don't forget Hymenaeus and Alexander who are shipwrecked, who I finally had to deliver over to Satan that they learn not to, not to blaspheme. And then he says this, therefore. How many of you know when you see a therefore, what do you do? You look to see what the therefore is there for. He said, because there's a spiritual warfare going on, follow me now. Follow me because there's spiritual warfare going on because you need to, I'm commanding you to be spiritually engaged in this good warfare. And if you don't, if you get disengaged, you'll be like Hymenaeus and Alexander who I finally had to deliver over to Satan that they learned not to blaspheme. He said, therefore, I exhort first of all, that supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Catch verse 4. We're talking about being unconcerned. He said, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. You know what he just said? I said, did you know what he just said? He said, listen carefully, my friend, Timothy, son in the faith. You better get in the middle of the battle, but understand something. The battle's not all about you. It's about those who have yet to name the name of Christ. And what he's saying here, your prayer life, you need to begin to pray for other people who desires for all men to come to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, the warfare should be primarily for the benefit of others. We need to fight for our brothers, our sisters, our mothers, our daddies, our sons, our daughters, and realize something. We can't go to war. If you think it's just to get the monkey off your back, you got it all wrong. We we war in this life we're in for the sake of others. This morning I warred in prayer for lost people. And let's just pause for a moment. Let's be real. Let's be honest. How many want to be honest? Can't lie to you. People in this room unconcerned about others. Oh, you're thinking about yourself. Are you thinking about me, myself, and I? You've lost a real concern for lost people. Our warfare is for the sake of others. And I'm convinced if we'll get in the battlefield, we'll start praying for lost people, we'll begin to see chains fall off our friends and family. Are you with me? You can't go into war unconcerned. War is not simply to get Satan off your backs. It's to get Satan and sin off the backs of your brothers and sisters and people who are lost. And without Christ, you can't go to war unconcerned. You can't go to war unholy. You can't go to war unequipped. You can't go to war unsubmitted. And finally, you can never go to war. You should never go to spiritual battle uncommitted to the end. He said in 2 Timothy 2, 3, I've read it already. He said, therefore, you must endure hardship. Everyone say hardship. In other words, you can't quit. You must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You can't be mediocre in this thing. You're either all in or you're all out. You got to go in knowing this is who I am. And this is who I, what I, what I do. And I'm not going to quit. You know what the biggest complaint among most Christians is? Hardship. 
You talk to people, oh man, it's hard. I got hardship. Man, this is hard. Following Jesus is hard. Doing what I need to do, it's hard. Man, life is hard. How many of you here, you've never experienced a hardship in your life? Come up here, I want you to pray for me. How many of you, if you're not careful, all you look at is how bad things are? Come on. And how, how much trouble? Oh, it's hardship. It's hard. As a good soldier, you just got to realize you got to endure this stuff. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, and he's going to kick it with this last thought that he, now this, see, this, this puts it out of your ballpark that he may please him. Speaking of Jesus, speaking of God, who has enlisted him as a, in, a, in, in this thing called spiritual warfare. It's not about us on any level. You know why we war? Because we've been enlisted. And why we war? Because we want to kick the devil's teeth in? Sure, but we want to please God. And let me tell you something, it'll please God today if you start going to battle and fight the good fight of faith. Because if you fight, you win. Let's stand up together. We'll pray for you today. As we close out this service today, God's looking for some warriors. You need to understand our enemy is real. Our enemy is evil and our enemy is engaged. He's scheming right now. In fact, scheming to try to keep you from remembering any and all or appropriating or applying any or all of what you've heard today. And I don't know where you are. I don't know what one thought you got. You can't go to war unsubmitted. Man, if you got rebel in you, you better, better humble yourself under the authority of God. He resists the proud. If you're unequipped, oh, listen. I gave you some things today that if you'll just start meditating on, thinking about, pondering the strength of God the armor of God, the authority of God, the fellowship of God, praying. You just start doing those things and appropriate, you'll begin to see the strongholds fall, not only in your life, but around your life and people around you. They'll be beneficiaries. And so today, let's bow our heads. One of the things that I didn't mention today, you should never go to war by yourself. unyoked with others that has to do with submission but listen some of you feel all alone in this journey in this battle that you're facing you feel like you're going under in a hurry I came to stand with you today and I think it'd be worth just a couple of minutes past 12 to pray for you. And if you think so, just stay with me just for a moment. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I'm in the middle of a battle and to be honest, I feel like I'm all alone and to be honest, I feel like I'm losing this fight and I'm struggling to keep my head up and it seemed like the devil's pulling me under. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, lift your hand for me. I want to pray for you. I want to ask God. I see your hand here. Just lift your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. There's others. I see your hand. I see your hand. 
I'm in the middle of a battle and I need somebody to come stand with me and stand beside me. Listen, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something bold and brave. I'm going to ask you right now, wherever you are, to come stand with me in the altar and we're going to stand with you. We're going to stand with you in this battle, in this warfare. And we're going to undergird you and encourage you. So if you lifted your hand, come right on from wherever you are. Come on. Come on, if you lifted your hand, come on. This is not a place where you'd want to be embarrassed to be here. This is we're battling together. We're warring together with one another. Come huddle up right here. Let's stand together. And, and as they are coming, I want some of our prayer team to come stand behind.